And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. How's it going, everybody? This is Andy McCullough from The Athletic here with Pedro Mora. Also from The Athletic, you are listening to The Scribes of Summer, a show about the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are three victories away from winning the World Series and three losses away from losing it. Pedro, man, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to steal, you stole my thunder. I was going to do the, the oh, three no. defeats, man. I, I thought that was, wow, I thought that was going to be really witty. And then you you went there and just took it right away from me. Sorry, man. We should plan more. Nah, nah. Yeah. They're uh, going to game three, tied against a good team. Two good teams facing off. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of how it works usually. But especially in this case, these are the two best teams. So let's get into it. I get the sense we're both going to kind of come across as pretty pedantic and annoying during this one, but let's uh, let's do it anyway. Can you explain what the Dodgers were doing with their pitching in game two? Yeah, they had no rested pitchers. So they used their guys that they had in short stints because they were rested enough to throw short stints. Neither of the two guys they were counting on to throw a couple innings, maybe, each uh, were good at all. So they pulled them early and went elsewhere and actually salvaged a nearly winnable game out of a um, kind of a mess of a pitching situation. Dave Roberts shouldn't really care what the public perception is, although I guess that is kind of part of his job. But like, do you think he should just come out before game two and just be like, man, it's a mess? I mean, he kind of did. Like, if you, if you, like, <laughs> he did in the way that a manager could, like, conceivably without coming off looking like a dummy. He said it was out of necessity. I mean, I, I don't really know what else there is to say besides that. Any criticism that someone has of what the Dodgers did in Game 2 should re- is misdirected. It should be directed at Game 7 of the NLCS, which I might note they won to send them to the World Series, <laughs> right? So it's, it's hard to criticize right. them for winning the game. Right. The only thing they could have done differently is in that game, they had Tony Gonsolin rested, and they chose not to start him and use Dustin May for an inning. If they had gone with Gonsolin to begin with, then they could have gone with May, you know, for a full length start in game two. I'm not going to slam them for that, considering that Gonsolin wasn't good in game seven in the LCS. And I mean, neither was May for the record, but they pulled him earlier than even they could have because they wanted to win the baseball game to keep their season going. It's really that simple. I mean, it, they made a choice in game seven and, and no one criticized them then. But of course, after they lost. Right, because yeah. they won. Yes, yeah. that's how this thing works, right? They could not have done anything really differently in game two. They did not have rest in arms. The Dodgers don't believe in starting people on short rest. Really, no one really does anymore in the sport unless they're desperate. Well, yeah, it's because a certain organization did it with the best player of his generation and it just ended up being a disaster. People rarely throw 100 pitches anymore. I mean, the Dodgers usually give their guys extra rest. Walker Buehler started far more often on extra rest than short. It's just not something teams do anymore. So, like, yeah, there's a lot of criticism of why not start Buehler in game two. I don't think that's a good idea with someone who has blisters and is accustomed to starting on double that rest. My question, though, is, like, how much of that criticism is levied by people who can read a calendar? It's a great cue, Andy. I'm not sure, man. You know, there was a segment in the post-game show where they're all talking about, on, on Fox, about, they were all talking about, you know, why didn't Walker Bueller start? He would have been on regular rest. And I'm just like, really? What? I didn't, I, I didn't know about that. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. That's okay, man. 
Well, but you know, but here's the thing, though. It it is okay. Yes, it, it is okay, and and we don't want to spend all of our time sort of correcting sort of false narratives. You want to just kind of write what's going on and you know describe what's going on and not spend a lot of time dealing with straw men. But they're not exactly straw men when like it's the overwhelming public opinion because that's how it's presented by you know like the broadcast that's how it's presented you know on on the radio that's how it's presented by you know people who are considered leading analysts in the sport just not paying attention to the calendar not paying attention you know asking questions like you know why don't they just start tony gonsolin i don't understand why they don't let him go longer it's like well he's on two days of rest I guess you're a little, we're a little different in this regard. Like for me, I've been trying to learn in the last couple of years as I like, you know, try to develop as a person to just not to disregard, you know, what I know is not founded criticism and, and of anything, you know, before I get upset about it to try to understand if it, if it has any basis. And so it's like with this thing, I mean, I understand it's relevant for sure in, in our jobs. It's like, okay. I mean, if they don't want to pay attention, then I don't, I'm, I'm not going to pay attention to them. Well, I think you did a, you did a good job kind of writing about, you know, the real sort of chicken or the egg argument here, right? Which is like, are these guys struggling because they are pitching in different roles? Or is the usage of them in different roles, does it look foolish because the two guys aren't pitching well? Yeah, we just don't know. It's, so it's impossible to say with any specificity. I think I would lean toward, you know, I, I, it's certainly not, I'm not firing off like a criticism of the team, but I, I do question, like, Dustin May was a, is a really good starting pitcher. He is good at this. Is he? You don't think so? Uh, I mean, I don't think we have a sample that says he is. I would say, you know, 15, 14 starts in the major leagues um, is, is something indicating that he is competent at this. But I, I mean, yes, co- competent, sure. But facing elite lineups and high-pressure situations, I mean, I would assume that he, if he was a good starting pitcher, he'd probably be okay as a reliever, especially if he was asked to start in the game. I'm not saying he's bad. I, I think there's been a lot of extrapolations based on, you know, like... 10 starts for May and eight for Gonsolin in a season that we all agree was really messed up and the Dodgers didn't play a lot of great teams. Let me say one thing. In Dustin May's case, this is not a man, he's 23 years old, this is not someone who's pitched on on two days rest much in his lifetime. Essentially, it's not the same thing, but essentially you are asking him to pitch on short rest. It's not a full-length start, you're not doing the same sort of damage to the arm. But I think, you know, with Gonsolin, he's a long-time reliever, right? Relieved all through college, relieved in the minor leagues, Relieved last year in the major leagues. And May did a little bit last year as well. I think that in his case, he is a young man who is used to starting pitching and taking four days or five days or six days in between his starts. And so when you're asking him to amp up you know, and, and get to his 100% effort for 20 or 30 pitches and when he's never done that before and then ask him to do that again in two or three days, I think, you know, I, I think it's reasonable to question whether that's the best idea. I cannot say with any specificity that it's wrong. Absolutely not. I think it's fair to say, hey, you know, maybe that might not have been the best play. Yeah, yeah, well, they are in the World Series, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a reasonable, it's, you know, it's it's a, it's a, that is a far more rational criticism, but I think it's a gray area. We just don't know. I mean, there's just no way to know. Even if he comes out in game six and starts, that doesn't mean that he would have done, you know, better beforehand. It doesn't. I mean, c- contrast the way he pitched in, you know, the first couple games of this postseason, or really the first, you know, three uh, with the way he's pitched in the last three. If he threw, I think it was a two scoreless and against the Padres and then came back, uh, you know, two days later and threw a scoreless inning. And I think if you're the Dodgers, you probably think, okay, well, the, you know, he clearly isn't cowed by the moment. He clearly has the, you know, the stuff to compete. And so let's keep doing this, you know, because they, they have obviously determined that outside of Julio Urias, they do not really trust 
of their three guys, right, they don't really trust May and Gonsolin to have the workload of traditional starters, right? The only time Gonsolin had it was in an emergency, effectively, and you saw why that they've kind of used him in a, in a different sort of fashion since then. So, you know, it's pretty clear that the Dodgers don't think their best way to win against a good to elite lineup, and the Braves probably lean closer to good than to elite, is, you know, the not Raves, exposing... The Raves, the Raves. Sorry, what did I say? The Braves, yeah. Oh, are, yeah, the Braves are, are elite. an elite lineup, yeah. And the, and the, <clears throat> the Rays are just a, a, a pretty good one. You know, they seem to think that those guys are better served, you know, trying to get 9 to 12 outs rather than 15 to 18, I guess. Yeah, I agree with with most of what you're saying. I think that <laughs> I don't know that we can say that in this round because the Dodgers did not choose to do this in this round. They did this right. because they That's had to. That's also true. If they had Justin May on full rest, I, I you know, I'm not sure they wouldn't have started, you know, let him go five innings or Gonson, you know. And so we just don't know. We know that against the Braves, that's what they chose to do. Who are a right. very that's good fair. team with crazy, um, a crazy thick middle of the lineup. They're good, and these guys are not as much. I don't know that, and um, we just. It's also worth acknowledging Clayton Kershaw got hurt, and that really changed the way <laughs> that was kind of the plan. Gonson hasn't like, had a start. He hasn't had a start where he knew he was going to start more than a day in advance since September twenty sixth. Which is that's not starting really. I mean, in some way. I mean, that's not a starter routine. Imagine if you know. Imagine if Clayton Kershaw went a month without knowing when he was going to start. I think it just comes back to, you know, a thing we've talked about a lot, you know, on this show is just kind of general, you know, anti-intellectualism in baseball and, you know, not liking an idea if it's foreign and all that sort of stuff. It's just kind of tedious, you know, it's tedious, uh, but it's also possible I've just been doing too many radio hits. Yeah, I don't know. The radio things I've done, they, they've seemed pretty okay with it. I, yeah, you just seem more tired of, of the discourse, I guess, than I am, but I haven't paid as much attention to it, so maybe that's, that's what it is. But I'm older I, than you, you know? You're I'm like, Andy, you. you're th- you're three years older than me. Well, talk to me in three years, young man. You're 10% older than me. Are you even 30 yet? I just turned 30, yeah. Happy birthday. How's it going? It's going fine. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Game three, 
will be interesting. Walker Bueller gets not only regular rest, but is actually going to get that extra day of rest that the Dodgers so often like to get for him. So he should be able to go at a you know relative full bore with Charlie Morton. What uh, what do you think we should expect from that matchup? Pretty good, huh? Pretty good. Both of these guys really good postseason track records. Ground shock Morton, nice nice fella. Everyone loves that guy. Much calmer man than Walker Bueller. Should make for a pretty good uh, postseason. Um, challenge. I, I think Bueller has the advantage. He's a, he's a better pitcher, but Morton's pretty good. He had a weird season, a very weird season where like the peripherals were good, but the ERA was not. I don't know what happened there, um, but I know he's a good pitcher. And so this is a, a you know a very important game for the uh, Dodgers to win. The Rays, you know, we understand. I hope people understand why the Rays are as good as they are. These guys, these pitchers are good, man. <laughs> you know, consider the Braves, right? That was a very good Major League Baseball team. They had, you know, nothing com- in starting pitching compared to what the Rays have. This is a far superior rotation. I mean, they had a, a former Cy Young in game two. They have a great, great guy in game three. The Dodgers at the plate have acquitted themselves okay thus far. This is what their lineup does, man. They to get Blake Snell out after four and two thirds with how he was pitching, which I thought he was, it was quite good. Is 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 it shows what you know why this team is as good as they are. You know that's the best lineup in baseball, right? Against the tenth best lineup in baseball, I would expect Snell to get six or seven innings in, which means that you know then the Dodgers don't see Anderson, they don't see Fairbanks, right? And then and then in game three when those guys come in, it's the first time they have a better advantage, they're more rested. It's just it, it just trickles down. It's like. A loss is not a loss. A lot, you know, it's, it's, or it's, it's not just a loss. It's, there's a lot of little elements within it that can govern how the rest of the series goes. And, you know, considering that once again, you know, as it was in game seven, they're, they're the two guys they wanted to go any kind of bulk did not succeed and pitched poorly. It was not a totally failed outcome for the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers should be pretty encouraged uh, with the fact that, you know, the Rays have not really been able to execute a, you know, fairly tidy, you know, pitching plan just yet uh you know i think that, that they did a good, real good job against glass now uh snell pitched very very well and he still as you said did not finish the fifth inning which is pretty remarkable considering he had a no hitter through four and two thirds his stuff was good and that guy's wow yeah he's got great stuff he's got great stuff but they also did a good job of running up his pitch count and you know getting in there and i think you know getting multiple looks at you know guys like fairbanks you know getting you know scoring a run off anderson i mean i think anything that adds a little bit of doubt into the opposing manager's mind is always effective, you know? Now that, you know, Kevin Cash has has plugged in Anderson and seen Anderson give up runs, you know, is he going to be as willing to do it? Is he going to, you know, I just, I don't, I don't know what the actual effect would be there, but I think that does benefit the Dodgers just demonstrating that you can handle, you know, the elite sort of guys. Two things I'd like to add there. One is that, uh, Anderson, I guess, from what I, I I did not really watch much of the ALCS, but it, it seems like he has stopped striking out people at the at the ridiculous rate that he did during the regular season, and it's caused for some concern. And as far as cash goes, should we talk about gla- the glass now thing in game one and just leaving him in you know fifteen pitches past what what really seemed to make sense? I thought it was marginal. I think I would have taken him out, but I thought it was marginal. What do you think? I thought it was a, maybe a little bit more than that. It just seemed. It, it, there was a couple batters there. I'm forgetting the specifics now, but that that it just struck me as. I mean, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't dominant in the fifth inning. There's just no. It was. It was this sort of thing. Yeah. So we're seeing two walks, right? Two walks, and then you strike out Turner, and then you. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Muncie, you know, hit a hard ground ball that Mookie Betts made an incredible play on. And then he let him face Smith, and Smith kind of got a jam shot, you know. I don't know. I don't know if it's a jam shot. I wasn't in the impression they're going to start Yarbrough in game four, right? And so if you're using Glass now for 115 pitches or whatever, that means he's not probably not available to go in game four. And then you used Yarb, 
I mean, short rest for, for, for a young man. I mean, he's not that young. I don't know. Do you think they're going to start him in game four? I don't know. I mean, I think it seems to me that their strategy in the early going was relatively similar to the Dodgers and that neither team kind of wants to roll out their elite relievers too early, I think. Uh, neither wow, team wants to overexpose. Doing this. Holy crap. What's that? I just got the biggest case of deja vu. Have we said this exact from you saying that to me, me sitting here looking at a game log, you saying that? Wow. This is one of my Whoa. like uh you know, my my uh you know uh, bet noirs or whatever that Holy you God. know, teams are debating the value of how you're pitching your elite relievers in games one and two, how that affects them in games six and seven, that sort of thing. You know, call it like, you know, the Astros effect. I think teams in recent years have beaten the Astros early in series. I mean, you look like the Yankees in the ALCS last year. You know, you see them bullpen their way through game two, and then all of a sudden they're calling on all those guys to pitch a third time in game six, and they don't have it. And I think the Rays probably are aware that if they expose Diego Castillo to four outings in this or five outings in a seven game series you know the last one he might not have it so i i think they were trying i think cash was pushing glass now to try and steal an inning yeah i think it was marginal but it was probably a mistake it certainly you know it, it was interesting like i was actually asked on a, on a radio thing someone said you know if dave roberts had made that move how do you think it would have been received and i was like well it would have been received very poorly but that's because you know reputation matters you know, reputation matters, you know, more than what's actually happening on the field. You know, if there's an idea that you're a genius, everything you do is, you know, painted in that sort of light. And if you've had, you know, mistakes before in the postseason, then everything else is painted in that light. That's fair. Yeah, it's just Glass now didn't have command throughout the game. I haven't seen a guy stick in a game without command for a while. But it was marginal. I, I do question what they're going to do in, in game four. That could be the um, the situation where the Dodgers have it, a big advantage. If it's not fully rested Yarbrough, if they do a full bullpen game and they have Urias able to go, you know, 100 plus pitches. Yeah, and Urias has to pitch well, but that's something that, you know, there's reason to believe that he can. He was, um, you know, I think one of the few biggest reasons the Dodgers are in the World Series. Well, it's been fun so far. Uh, a game of peace. We will be back on Monday. By Monday, the Dodgers could be world champions, huh? Yes, yes, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that's true. But they also could be out. Yes, more likely, they'll still be playing. <laughs> more likely, yeah, so more likely one team will be leading 3-2. to two. Well, it should be fun. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back on Monday. Have a good one. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 